The ceiling is the roof. My name is Bobby Corella. The guy that is next to me, I think on my left or maybe on my right is Mike Marshall, but either way, he's my right-hand arm man. Or I guess since since he's my boss, I'm his right-hand arm man. I guess, Mike, you can be the one to, to make that determination, but it's good to be back, Silly man. Rabbit. The other day, it's good to be back, man. Yeah, yeah. The other day we hit uh, we hit the top three guys in the draft: uh, James Wiseman, Lamelo Ball, and Anthony Edwards. Or you can really order them however you want, because at this point, no one knows how they're going to go on draft night. There's really no consensus, and that's part of what makes this class so exciting. So today we're going to hit kind of the rest of the lottery. So the guys uh, based on Draft Express rankings from like four to fourteen. So the next batch of guys, maybe one of them falls to eighteen, where the Mavs are. Heck, maybe the Mavs trade up to get one of these guys. We have no idea, so we're just going to uh, acclimate ourselves with all of them, and uh, we'll uh, we'll kind of alternate. We'll just go guy by guy. We each have sort of divided and conquered uh, the class. We're, uh, like we said on the last episode, we're not the most world-class scouts, but hey, we love basketball, and we definitely love hearing ourselves talk, and so I feel like uh, Mike and I, I, I feel like we're a pretty good team for this. What do you think? 100%. And if you want to hear about the top three guys or just overall kind of philosophy on how we need to address this draft in this offseason, you can listen to the last episode. But to me, this collection of guys right here is where this draft gets really fun. Yeah. Um, picking one through three um, with these guys, with this collection of talent, really makes me pretty nervous for whoever's about to pick uh, and, you know, pick a winner out of those three and, and make it work. Um, and that's, that's part of the job, you know, but, uh, the guys that we're going to talk about four through 14, some really intriguing dudes. I mean, there's kind of a a different mix of every kind of flavor that you'd want, as you might imagine. Um, the guys I'll be talking about is Patrick Williams from Florida state, Devin Vassell, Florida state, Isaac Okoro, uh, from Auburn and Aaron Neesmith, Vanderbilt. But uh, you can kick it off with the first player that you want to introduce. And remember, at the, at the end of each player, before we get too far down the line, I forgot about that. we have to decide if he's a bucket, uh, different, or a problem. Okay? Okay. All right, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stall people want for it, a People want bit. it right after we talk about the player. We can't wait till the end to do it. All right, okay. So people I'm going to stall for a little bit so that I can think about uh, all the labels that I'm going to apply to my guys. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so give me a second. But first, Mike. Okay. This episode of Ceiling Is the Roof is brought to you by the City Advantage Platinum Select Card. I'm already getting excited to watch the Mavs play this season. Mike is excited to uh, to watch these guys in the draft. As you can tell, my beard is out of control. It's because I've just been spending so much time pouring over the film, uh, Mike, because I am so excited for this season. But gonna need to talk about that beard. <laughs> please let me keep it. But you know what? I'm even more excited about Mike. That is planning my next trip. So that's why I wanted to tell you and all the listeners about the City Advantage Platinum Select Card. And while you're daydreaming about your next adventure, just like me, you could be earning miles every single day. You can earn Advantage miles on every purchase and two times the miles at gas stations and restaurants, including takeout. I know you're ordering a lot of food uh, because uh, if you're anything is. like me, you have no chef skills at all. <laughs> Plus, the card comes packed with great travel benefits and will make your next trip even better. And guess what? You can even earn 50,000 Advantage bonus miles after qualifying purchases. So you can start earning all your miles today for all your adventures to come with the City Advantage Platinum Select card. You can head to city.com slash adventure as soon as this episode is over to learn more and to apply. And even after all of that, I still have no idea where I'm going to go 
with Denny Avdia, who's our first uh, our, our first prospect up on on the discussion board today. You so. get enough miles, you can go to Israel and just uh, see where he played basketball and where he grew up. I can, and then learn more about whether he's a bucket, a problem, <laughs> or if he's just different. But we'll see. So probably, uh, so probably Denny, different. I'm leaning different. <laughs> Well, tell me about tell me about Denny Avdia. I know people are saying his name about three different ways. It's Avdia, Avdija, Avdia. It's Avdia. Yep, right? Avdia, like obvious, but not mm-hmm. really anything like that. Uh, Denny Avdia, uh, he played over in the Euroleague. He played in the Israeli league, but he also has Euroleague experience. So there's very obvious comps to Luca, just strictly based on that. He's 19. Luca was 19, uh, playing in the Euroleague, which is really the best league in the world. Um, outside of the NBA, I mean, it's just extremely high-level competition where you're playing against grown men, and the team that he was on, uh, Maccabi Tel Aviv, is you know a, a European powerhouse, an Israeli powerhouse. Um, you know, they've he's won domestically, he's won internationally uh, with the Israeli youth team. I believe the U20 team. I think they won the. Uh, I, I don't even remember the the European Championship. I want to say, or maybe even the World Cup. I have no idea, but. Um, he, he has tasted success basically at every level, very similar to Luca. Uh, however, the numbers are not Mike. And that is where kind of the comparisons end because even though he's six, nine, two twenty, so he's a big guy, he's a tall guy, pretty strong, uh, in Israel this past season across all competitions, he averaged nine points, 4.7 rebounds, two assists, shot 50% from the field, 33 from three, and just 59% from the free throw line. And in the Euro league, he averaged four points per game. And so just Beginning the conversation, yes, he is probably the generation's best young player in Europe, like outside of guys who have already made the leap to the NBA. But unlike Luca, a couple years ago, he's not quite as polished, not quite as developed, not quite as advanced. And I think that's why he's not really being considered as like a number one or number two pick. Although I think a lot of teams have wised up on European guys and are starting to say, okay, if we invest in this guy, continue his development, he already has the, the fundamental baseline. Uh, and he can already see the floor. He can already make plays, run, pick, and roll, and all that stuff. But there's just there's a there's a little more for uh, a few more steps he has to take before he's really ready, kind of to take over an offense in the same way that Luca was really able to from day one. Yeah, and I mean the dream is obviously a big ball handling wing that has power forward to center size, right? And so you get really enticed. I mean, when you see a six nine six six ten guy that has ball handling skills like him, and he's one that I've been a little bit more familiar with than some of the other guys you'll introduce, just because I think halfway through the season I was texting you about Denny. I was like, "Is this the next Luca?" And you know, he didn't quite get there. Um, but you know, it, it depends. And this is up to people that are much smarter than you and I. What do you think about the Israeli league, right? Because that's where he played his best basketball. Um, Three time league champion there. Um, but then you get into Euroleague when you're playing with, you know, grown men trying to cash a paycheck that are 30 years old and not a lot of minutes, um, not a lot of, you know, on-court experience in that time. And the one thing you'd like to be able to bank on with a player like this um, is is the shot. And honestly, the free throw percentage is very scary. He's for... below 60% every year. I mean, it's like, yeah. it's it's crazy. That That is so unheard of. Yeah. And if... If he gets to the if he gets in the league, I guess my immediate question would be like, how does he play? Like what make what makes you put him on the court like rookie season? You know what I mean? Like Luca was pretty obvious. I mean, you knew you knew what was happening. Um, the guys before this, I think, 
the three guys we talked about last time, I think there's an obvious answer of like why this guy has to be on the court for 20, 30 minutes a night. I'm not sure. Like, do you need a, a big ball handler that can't shoot? I mean, they call him a big playmaker on uh, on uh, Draft Express on ESPN's list, and I'm like, that's cool, but if you can't tell me why this guy needs 30 minutes a night as a rookie, that's going to be a hard sell. And, I mean, I love the potential, obviously. If you, can, if you have a choice between this guy's been playing professionally since 2017 versus not, or has gone to an American college, um, especially last year where some of these guys, you know, their seasons got cut immediately uh, in, in March, I'll take the guy has been playing professionally for three years just because he knows how to act, knows where to be. Um, knows there's a, mon- a monetization part of this job that that you're gonna get judged by, but man, it's very it's very raw to me for a guy that has been playing professionally for three or four seasons. Um, you wouldn't you wouldn't think that's the case. He's just a little young. It is. Yeah. Is it Mel going crazy over there, or, or what's happening? Yeah, yeah. She said, "Don't slander Denny anymore." Oh, she's a big big Denny fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, big, big, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. So. His his team in Israel and and really I guess I mean I, I'm sure a lot of fans now have kind of caught up to the way that that European teams run and are are, are kind of set up but it really is kind of a um what do you call it where like older guys are sort of like favored over younger guys mm-hmm. I mean like look at KP for example he was not mm-hmm. putting up Luca numbers whenever he was playing in Spain I mean he was he was putting up kind of pedestrian numbers in fact I think he might have even been coming off the bench for a little while as well before he made the leap. And so you are kind of investing in uh, potential with most European young guys in the same way you would as, a, as a, an American player who, who went to Duke or North Carolina or whatever. Luca was such a I mean, it's, it's, it's a straight meritocracy, and they're worried about right now, right? Meritocracy. They need, yes, to, win. Okay, that, they need to win. They need to win right now. Yeah, especially Otherwise, playing in the EuroLeague because you're going up against, I mean, like Real Madrid's trying to kill you, you know? You, mm-hmm. can, you can develop your guys – domestically against the Israeli teams against the kind of the, the lesser teams once you're getting up against these you know Fenerbahce and, and all these teams I mean they're 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 trying to, to beat you down so um so that's kind of what made Luca's um incredible success over there so legendary and like historically and unprecedented in many ways because he was 18-19 leading Real Madrid to the EuroLeague championship. And part of that was only opened up because Sergio Yule got hurt and missed like almost the mm-hmm. entire season. And so Luca had to step into the starting lineup, but the usage rate and, and kind of the, the per game numbers and everything just aren't going to be at that level. And so with that comes fewer, you know, possessions to watch lesser, fewer game, uh, you know, less game tape and also less experience against those top level guys. Whereas you have more uh, against the, the Israeli players, but his team was very good. I mean, he was playing, their, their season was kind of cut short in the same way that, you know, the college season was and the NBA season was in many respects. But unlike college guys, he was playing in like July and August. They've had games recently. And so he's had more time to develop, get on the floor and stuff. And he's playing with Amari Stoudemire. Uh, Quincy AC was on their team last season. So, I mean, there's like there's some NBA caliber players that he's playing with. Um and he looks like he belongs, you know. Like you said, he's just kind of a little, uh, maybe maybe a little raw, or maybe has uh, a, another leap to take in addition to the shooting, just general explosiveness and everything. But uh, I know, like your your tall European playmaker is going to be compared to guys like Gallinari, Hito Turkoglu, uh, guys oh, yeah. like that. But whenever I watch him, I see more of like Chandler Parsons, um, so okay. somebody like that, because he 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 has such good vision. He can really read the play. He, he can read the floor. He can run pick and roll. 
He can throw lob passes. He can sling passes at the corner. He can really make almost every play. I mean, again, he's not Luka, but he can really, really see the floor and distribute. Um, but he's he's less explosive than Parsons, probably less not as quick as Parsons. And so uh, and, and that's part of what made him so dangerous, especially before the knee injuries kind of kind of derailed things was if you were you know giving him much room, he's so big and strong, he can just go up and dunk it right on you, you know, if, if you're not there. Mm-hmm. So um, that's kind of one thing missing from his game. But, I, you know, we don't need to we don't need to spend 15 minutes talking about every guy. But, uh, you know, yeah, one, one last thing on him, if you don't mind. Yeah, I mean, I, I love I love the European mentality of the dudes that have been coming over of recent where um, they're super hard nose. I mean that the old, the old moniker that was thrown on Dirk whenever he came over, that's so dead. Um, and just him wanting to go back home and play for like the youth teams in Israel, whenever he had time off and things like that and dedicating his time back to those guys. Cause he knew they needed him. That's pretty cool to me. That's that's the guy that's that's a winner, right? He he thinks he owes this to his hometown team to go back home and and compete in these tournaments where I mean, he's the best player. He has no business being there. Um, you know, he's got bigger fish to fry, but he did it a lot. He did it quite often uh whenever he's still in the Euro League playing professionally. So, like that, I mean, it's just it's as if like you mentioned, you said it, as if Luca didn't get to play if Sergio Yule didn't get hurt. You know what I mean? It's kind of like that, and that's that's a for some GMs that's a fun box to unwrap, and for some, you know what? Like let's let's find something more sure in this in this deal. But that's the perfect range for him to be taken earlier on because odds oh, yeah. are he's going to go to a team that doesn't need him to be Luca on day one. You know they can kind of kind of let him let him grow and blossom and everything. But well, but I, we'll I said this whenever we drafted Luca that he was going to ruin the projection for every Euro that came after him, right? Yeah. It's almost like we got really hot with like Dirk and then Andre Bargnani went first and we were like, oh no, bring it back down. Like, what's our expectation of these guys? And now Luca is like the best player in basketball and it's like every European guy that plays in EuroLeague and that styles and we held to the standard and it's not fair. Um, but that's the waves that it works in. I mean, if you only have so many, you know, um, variables or, or integers to judge off of, of we only get this many guys from EuroLeague each year. And the last one we got was, Oh my God! Yeah. <laughs> then why aren't you? Oh my God! You know what I mean? Yeah. And the one before that was Jokic, and a yeah. similar player comp to to Denny is Gallinari, who's had an amazing career, uh, even despite all the injuries. And so there's going to be pressure. But hey, hey, these guys—that's that's why this this generation of European players is so sought after—is that they they're cool with pressure. They make love to pressure, like Dirk does. Um, okay, <laughs> moving on to uh, another big man. So in the last episode. We talked about James Wiseman, and we were like, yeah, everybody kind of maybe Bam Adebayo is like the new sort of thing that everybody everybody wants to find a center who can play like Bam, and we didn't think that James Wiseman was really that guy, and I don't really think anybody does, but he is a uniquely talented player. Uh, this next guy I feel like is much closer to Bam. Maybe he's not quite Bam, but uh, if there's a, a Bam prototype in the draft, then it's going to be, uh, well, probably going to be this guy, Onyeka Okongwu from USC. So uh, he, he just played one season in college. Uh, he's a six nine guy, so he's not quite you know seven feet in the way that Wiseman is, but he's he's built like a truck. Seven one wingspan. He averaged sixteen points, almost nine boards, two point seven blocks per game, Mike, and shot better than sixty percent from the field. The dude is just a, a a tank of a player. Plays hard. He does all the all the winning stuff, all the dirty work, and also he is like 
like a mean dunker. I mean like a like a <laughs> whoa, like sucks the air out of the gym kind of dunker whenever he gets whenever he gets time to really a, a set gasp, himself and get up there. Gasp dunker like like Dwight Powell is where you're just like everyone stops for yeah. two seconds. And and it's like like that that guy. And now I mean Onyeka uh, and, and the same way that Dwight Powell is they're they're like nobody is surprised that they can get up forty inches in the air and throw it down, but you're just like he just doesn't I don't know. He just he's six nine, you know, but he is he is a mean mean dunker, uh, and I will say too, some of his stuff at USC was kind of interesting because uh, they played oftentimes with like another like traditional big on the floor, and so a lot of what he did in the pick and roll was on the short roll, uh, catching you know where you set a screen at the top of the arc or on the wing or whatever, and instead of rolling all the way to the rim the way that we're used to seeing like Dwight Powell and all those guys do, he's catching it like eighteen feet from the rim or 15 feet from the rim in a little pocket of space and from there he can make a decision you know shoot the jump shot drive to the rim pass it back out and so he already has experience on the short roll which I think is really important because you're starting to see teams like force guys into that situation but whenever the lane was open I mean the dude is just he's a jaw-dropping athlete he, he really is a, a a beast down there and uh I mean defensively too I mean averaging three blocks and, and he's he's maybe a little small, but he's quick, strong. I mean, it, it seems like he can be the guy, you know, once he develops and everything, that he can be the kind of player that you can have playing at the back, switching him onto guards in the finals, and you don't have to, like, bench him the way that so many teams are having to bench their traditional bigs later on in the playoffs. Is there any – you've seen more of him than I have. Is there any um, potential to be a shooter, even just long twos or – uh, I mean, he wasn't he wasn't really shooting threes. I think the whole season he took like four. Um, you know, not much of, not much of a jump shot kind of guy. Um, I, I would need to pull up his free throw percentage, but I mean, yeah, he's he's mostly around the rim. I mean, he's mostly around the rim, and in the, in the same way that like Trez, you know, or Bam. I mean, Bam, I, I will say, is kind of a unique case in that he's starting to expand his range out to like eighteen, twenty feet. He's pretty comfortable. Um, and so, I mean, maybe, maybe Okongwu can develop that, but I, he's not stepping out to the perimeter probably anytime soon. Um, but that, that isn't necessarily like a knock. I mean, we're starting to see guys like Bam, uh, Montrez Harrell, you know, guys like that are, are okay where, you know, as long as you have like the threat of a 15 footer, then you're fine. And also Okongwu kind of like Bam, maybe not to the same degree, but he can handle the ball too. And so if you just back way off him and force him to take the shot, then he can still beat you with the pass. He, he made some really nice reads in college or just putting it on the floor. And he has some, you know, he has some shiftiness and stuff to, to make you pay. So I, I wouldn't say that he has like a, a ready-made jump shot or anything, but he has the, the kind of other tools to overcome that. Yeah. It looks like there were only what, seven or 17 attempts on spot ups, which is, I mean, he shot 41% on them. So, okay, that's, that's doable. Um, which isn't a very good 65th percentile, but yeah, it just doesn't look like that's uh that's part of the game quite yet. And I think he does have that, um, we're reaching this point of bigs to where it's almost like you don't want the seven foot one, seven foot two big because the the footwork's just never going to get there, right? And the lateral quickness is just never going to get there. Unless so they're why, why don't I get bigs, which... Yeah, exactly. There, there are a couple. I mean, like, you know, KP can handle the ball off the dribble behind the three-point line a little bit different than most seven-foot-one or seven-foot-two guys can. Um, but we're almost wanting these... We're wanting that skill set kind of packed into a smaller body. So 6'9", 245 is pretty thick. 
honestly, for, for that height in the league. I mean, he'll outweigh most centers immediately. So that's intriguing. Um, I mean, that is the, that is the BAM model, right? Uh, since everybody's obsessed with, uh, with BAM, even though, you know, the first, first year and a half wasn't that pretty. Um, now he's getting to that point where he gets he gets comp to every big that can finish around the rim and do just anything else. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Besides, I mean, it was, Clint, really, yeah. it was Clint Capella for the longest time, right? That was just like the run and quick jumper um, that could set really good screens and sometimes be effective on short rolls and stuff like that. But the high activity six nine six ten guy that is strong enough to go in there and throw people around, but also I can beat you. Like if if we're starting a foot race where I'm setting a screen and I'm turning to the basket, I'm going to beat you to that spot. Um, and probably a pretty good quick jumper. So that kind of archetype is very, um, it's very sought after at this point. Um, and this is, this is honestly kind of like the sweet spot of, you know, five through 10 of taking a center because I don't know if you want to pay a center like top three money, <laughs> just, you know, for the next four to five years and then getting that restricted free agency, Situation. I mean, that's how centers end up getting maxed out, um, and you kind of end up regretting it probably, you know, year eight of the career. But this is kind of the sweet spot of, yeah, contract makes sense, his talent fits there, and let's go. And, I mean, the added bonus is he's the kind of guy that can get a rebound and, and push the ball. I mean, we're starting to see – I mean, the Mavs have stressed this for a very long time, uh, but teams don't want to get a rebound, have to spot the outlet guy, give him the pass – trudge down the floor and get into your set with 17 seconds left of the shot clock they they want to go you know so mm -hmm. if you're a team especially that has a, a one or a two that can come off screens that can spot up from 40 feet away okongo gets the rebound dribbles it up the floor one two three and all of a sudden you're in a handoff situation where you can get an early three i mean that's that's mm -hmm. the future of the nba so having a guy like that who's not really limited uh, kind of has to play within the box of like the traditional center role is it's everything it's everything that teams yeah. want Intrigued, definitely intrigued. Yeah, by Anyeka Okongwu. Yeah, and and depending on who you, who you talk to or who you read or whatever, some people I have him ranked ahead of Wiseman. So I mean, yeah, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Uh, okay, so moving on to the next kind of uh, Denny's not really a big, but he's probably going to play four in the NBA. Okongwu is obviously a five. Now here's another forward front court player who can kind of maybe be a center, but also I don't know, kind of questions about his position. But there's no questioning his talent, dude. The guy is unbelievable. Uh, Obi Toppin from Dayton. Uh, this season, he was the centerpiece of the number one team in the country. They only lost, I think, twice all season long. 6'9", uh, 220. Uh, kind of a top-heavy guy. Uh, looks like he maybe skips leg day every now and then. But he's, 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 he's tough up top. 7'2", uh, wingspan, long arms. Averaged 20 points, 7.5 rebounds. His efficiency was insane. 63% from the floor. 39% from three, 70% from the free throw line. Um, really, the way he, he does not look – Okongwu looks like a tank and looks like his dunks are going to rattle the rim. Toppin, maybe not so much from TV, but <laughs> he plays like Amari Stoudemire in the pick and roll. It is – and I thought it was interesting whenever I saw that, and then I started reading about him, and I was like, oh, I'm just – I'm basic because that's what everybody else sees. But even the way he kind of like – there's like this lurch, sort of like hunch shoulder thing, the way that Amari mm -hmm. used to do um, – the dude is just a freak athlete, quick jumper, gets from point A to B very fast, has a lot of skill, can shoot the crap out of the ball, just a really, really, really good offensive player. Uh, the question is, you know, he has like unicorn skill on offense, but on defense he's 
not he's just not there yet. He's a very smart player, thinks the game well, but physically he just can't. He's struggled to cover the space in the pick and roll. A uh, little slow footed when it comes to you know trying to maybe hedge and then get back to his man. You know, so he got beat a little bit, and so teams are like, okay, well, can we play him at five? I don't know. Maybe we should play him at four. But then you're like, okay, well, we want him at the around the basket. So then we need a five that can shoot. So it's this weird sort of like dance that a lot of guys are are having to do same way with kp is kp a four or five i have no idea um but that's kind of the the question mark about him but i mean do you could drop this guy into an nba game today and he could probably average 15 a game at least he is he is very very talented yeah the the age is obviously going to scare a lot of people away um i think he'll almost be 23 by the time we play games or by the time you know uh january february rolls around uh, he's passed, past his 22nd birthday, um, is a bit of a tweener. Um, and the pick and roll roll man numbers aren't great for a guy that's that age playing in college basketball. So you're like, what's, what's the fit for, uh, Obadiah is the full name, by the way. Great name. <laughs> Obadiah Toppin. And Toppin but, is an amazing last name too. Yeah, that's pretty legit. It's pretty <laughs> legit. And I don't know. I just... Whenever you see a 22-year-old dude that's coming into the draft and um, already his best skills are his athleticism, I think, and what's what he's better than everybody else at that age, that are at that level, right? Because he's playing a bunch of good 19, 20-year-olds, right? Like, uh, I think uh, Pukachevsky's like barely 19 right now. Um, and so you're comparing him against this grade, and if the one thing he does really well is the one thing he should do really well because he's three years older, it's a little scary. I don't know if there's ever a, a, a superstar um, outcome in that, in that player, but I do agree, like, rookie of the year is, that should be a realistic goal. Um, but some people are going to be scared by the age. It depends what team is, is in that range. Um, I mean, I know like Detroit and some other teams around there, or could you, why would you draft him if you got Blake Griffin? You know yeah, what I mean? Well, that, that was um, kind of the interesting thing that I thought of is like, I, ideally he becomes a Blake Griffin type player. So maybe it would make mm-hmm. sense to have Blake kind of like you know, mentor him yeah, or something. Maybe. Uh, or like maybe. Cleveland, he can learn a little bit from love, a little bit from Drummond, just like kind of like, and you can, you can mix and match him with really both of those guys. So kind of mm-hmm. in that in that five to like nine ten range in the draft is really kind of a, a natural thing. Where it would suck is if he falls to eleven, goes to the Spurs, because you know Ooh. Pop gets him in the weight room and 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 has him yeah. watch some some film, and all of a sudden he can just be a, a monster in the Southwest Division. Yeah, I mean all his numbers are insane on on synergy besides the pick and roll roll man numbers, right? Which are the ones I trade those for uh, some little crappier spot up numbers or something from from a big. I'd really like him to be be better in that regard especially you know whatever whatever Davidson's schedule is whatever he's playing against on a night-to-night basis um but yeah he's intriguing man I think um it's it'd be a really safe pick for a team five through ten um we'll see if he goes in that range um and I you know I've listened to plenty of uh people that that talk to people and it's some people are in love with him don't care about the age uh, would like him to contribute now, scoring, you know, 15 points rookie year and then see what's next. And some people just think the age is kind of a non-starter for some it, guys. It, it depends kind of on the direction of your franchise. You know, maybe mm-hmm. if, if you if you want to make the playoffs this year, get him, you know. And if, yeah. you're, if you're trying to build, then we'll see. What One thing I also forgot too, Mike, is that we have not labeled any of these guys. 
Um, <laughs> you already forgot it. <laughs> yeah, Denny, different. Uh-huh. Okongwu, Denny's different. Problem. Okay. Toppin, problem. Bucket. Okay, good. Sure. Good. And with with I, that, I, 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 I see the floor to you now. Okay, no problem. Well, good job on those. Uh, so the first one on ESPN's list. This would not be the first on of my four players today that I would I would rank. Um, I wouldn't rank Isaac Okoro above. Uh, basically two of my other guys, and I'm debating on... I might, Isaac Okoro might be the fourth, my fourth favorite player out of the four I'm going to talk today, but he's, he's first on ESPN's list, wow. so we'll, we'll go off of them. Um, six foot six, 225 pounds from Auburn, wing guard thing, like, I don't know what you call him. Um, the raw athleticism is breathtaking. Like, the quick jump to get where your head's hitting the rim is you don't see it like you just he just dunked sometimes where I'm just like man you're off balance there's a guy riding your hip like this could go very poorly if you jump up and throw this down and you're not like the strongest person on the court and dude in transition he doesn't he doesn't even need space he just he just goes up brings that thing back and it's over and everyone just saw like a crime scene uh in the arena um but the thing that is super intriguing for people is the the impact defender part of it, right? So good size, but not really long arm, lanky 6'6", like stout 6'6", like super thick P.J. Tucker kind of 6'6". The offensive instincts are, um, sometimes they're funny, um, just to put it flatly. It kind of looks like whenever you'd be in high school and it'd be like an off day for the football team and they'd come in there and play basketball with you. <laughs> yeah. He, he gets himself into some weird positions and, and his shots yeah. take some very funny bounces off the backboard. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like that, but those kids played a couple of years of college basketball um, or were just like really good at basketball. It, it's very much like the running back on the football team came in there and started practicing basketball with you, um, which some parts of the game are, are very good. Um, the athleticism and the defense is all in your face, but uh, he also looks like no one ever told him that he can't get his nose on the rim every time he drives the ball. Like he's trying to get his face and the ball right here in front of the rim every time. And so it's it's a fearless attack, um, and that's, that's kind of nonstop with him, which I was kind of impressed by his finishing, honestly. For a dude that doesn't have a ton of feel for the game, I think he was obviously the best player in his high school all four years, averaged like 20 and 10 in high school. So he has enough in his game to where if you're an ISO, man, you're about to get put in a knot. Um, It's not shake and bake. It's nothing fancy. It's very simple. I am wider than you, stronger than you, more powerful than you. And I'm going to get through you, or if you body me and foul me, he's got enough touch to finish, which is pretty impressive. Um, Just super raw offensively, straight out of the box. The three-pointer, I mean, the corner threes are obviously better because they should be, but the above-the-break threes are, man, they're they're ugly. Um, And it's, it's tough for a college player who is the best player on his team to know exactly how to act on the offensive end whenever that's not his skill set. You know what I mean? Like Auburn would just leave the, let the ball die with him a lot and it would lead to like a step back three. And I'm like, man, that's like never going in right now. It's just not. So if you, what people 
are super intrigued by is the tough part that you have to coach into a guy is kind of already there with a Coro. Um, the, the grit on defense, the getting down low in a stance, to be able to not even just, just ride on someone's hip to the basket. And then whenever they start, you know, doing their mechanics to get the ball up, he's just ready to spring. Like it's, it's almost like, uh, <clears throat> I think I wrote about Justin Anderson, whenever he was at Virginia and he had like this really cool ability to be able to get down low where he can move laterally quickly, but still at spring whenever someone would try and put the ball up, like he'd go get it. Okoro's got that, um, which most guys, I mean, you know, in the NBA, it depends <laughs> what time of the game it is. Um, if it's not the fourth quarter, some guys will ride your hip and then let you bounce them off or not really stay with you and just expect someone to cover up for him on the back end. This dude is not that. He is, he is looking for contact. He is constantly wanting some kind of physical feedback on what's happening on the court. But man, I, I like, I like the other three guys that I, I scouted a, a little bit more just cause I mean, it, it Coro's upside. Is it like Josh Akogi plus right now? Like just super raw athlete. That's fun. And goes out there and raises hell. Uh, you know, Akogi doesn't play a ton right now. So I kind of, he's a confusing fit. I kind of disagree only because I think he's already shown just a, a, a lot of, um, what's the word, I guess, capability with the ball in his hands, that, that he can make stuff happen. And at least like the willingness and the fearlessness it required to do that and, and the skill to get to your spot is something that can be developed. But he has to it's, – it's, he's got to be refined, you know, for sure. And the jump shot too, mm-hmm. like to your point, he was only 30% on jump shots. So he was 19 out of 63. That's not very good. Um, you know, and, and that's including twos as well. Um, and you know, he does kind of, he needs some moves, right? You can't just in the NBA, Mm -hmm. you can't beat someone with simple. You need to have some combinations and stuff, but I think maybe in a little more space and with time, he could develop a little more dynamicism to his game than maybe some of the other guy like Patrick Williams. Although William, depending on who you talk to, he could be like Kawhi. I don't know. Um, but Mm -hmm. you know, like Naismith is, is just a a pure shooter. Okoro is not there. But he can do a little bit of stuff to where if he can just get a little better at everything, kind of the way that Denny can, you know, if they can just get a little better, then they can really be something. But if they don't, then, yeah, it's it's going to be tough to fit in. But uh, he was the only freshman on that team. Every other starter was, was a senior, which is really interesting. And he still kind of became mm-hmm. like sort of the kind of the alpha offensively, which is yeah. pretty interesting. Uh, and then I have a comp. So his jump shot kind of looks like Dorian's in that it's all very compact <laughs> yeah. and he sort of like pushes yeah. it. Um, but – Dorian's way accurate, but it, it took Dorian like what, four or five like years in the NBA. Shuffleboard on on a on a tray that's like this high for some reason. Yeah, yeah it's a very high push Just shot. Trying to... it's, it's weird, but uh, it took Dorian you know five years of shooting a million jumpers a day to mm. to iron it down. So uh, it's going to take some developing, and I think he kind of moves like Markel Fultz. So he reminded me of watching Fultz at mm. Washington in that it's kind of like you can tell he's a really good athlete. But there's some – it's like it's very like stridey and kind of like almost like a slow motion really fast. I don't know. It's really weird. But there is this layer of explosiveness that you almost don't see coming based on the way he moves. So he's a really unique guy to watch because he's 6'5", yeah. but he kind of plays like he's 6'1", but he sort of like can move like he's like 6'9". It's very, very strange. But I, I, I yeah, think – Yeah, the whole that, time I'm like, this guy's not 6'6". Yeah. I'm like, how is he 6'6"? Like, is that measurement wrong? Because he, I mean, he runs around like he's like – 
six two, right? Yeah, he does, and, and he's and he's thick like that. Yeah, like I don't know where the length. I, he he must have not had like a growing spurt. He must have just been like tallest kid in his class, tallest kid in his class, tallest kid in his class, because there's no there's no goofiness to him. Um, but yeah, the his best skill to me is isolation on offense. How many times? Are you yeah, playing not, on not very often. Putting, not very often. Putting but I mean, if, in isolation on offense. You know, depending on where he goes, you know, he's the kind of guy where if he can develop a jump shot, he can definitely attack closeouts, right? And that is mm-hmm. like that's a very sought after skill right now because if if all you can do is just catch and shoot, then if your guy beats you to the spot, then you you're worthless. You gotta you gotta reset. But if he can do something, just attack off balance, then that's where you can really kind of make a make an impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And he's one of those dudes that whenever he makes a three, like everyone goes insane, yeah, yeah. which is fun. <laughs> you know, it's like a maxi three. Yeah. It's like the whole binge just starts like throwing stuff at the ceiling and going insane. Because mm. he, I mean, he's, he's 100% a juice guy. Yeah. Like you're, the identity of your defense is, is now different. Mm. Um, and there's not a lot of guys ever drafted that you just go plug him in there and your, your defense has a different complexion to it. So is he different? No, no. I'm saying a problem. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm going with a problem okay. for Isaac Okoro. Yeah. All right. I respect it. Just feels like a problem. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like he's going to scare you in the, in the, in the pregame layup line. Uh, he's probably going to throw like a couple windmills down. Ooh, he will. Yeah. He will. And then he's going to take like a chest bump off somebody that's like 50 pounds bigger than him and knock them down. Um, Dude, he's going to be a popular player, I think, wherever he goes. Oh, for sure. Like with with his teammates, also with the fans. Like he's, I'm I'm looking forward to to watching him for sure. Yeah, dude. He's. I mean, if if you if you refine that, that's 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 a that's that's a problem. Yeah, that's it what is. You call and there's that. nothing wrong with being like, I mean, look at Marcus Smart. Like even before he could shoot, mm. is that attitude and that sort of like presence, physically, emotionally, everything, like that's that's valuable. You can't really teach it. Mm-hmm. So if he can become that guy, and and he, there's some skill there too to be tapped. So so we'll see. All right, do you want to keep on going wings with your guys, or do you want to go down this list uh, with Halliburton next? You can do Halliburton real quick. Okay. So uh, the efficiency is very high, and his shorts are even higher. I'm talking about Tyrese Halliburton from <clears throat> Iowa State. That dude wears very Love short it. shorts. Not quite as short as number 11 on Memphis. That guy is like, <laughs> it's like I'm afraid, you know, cheek is going to fall out or something. But Tyrese Halliburton, uh, point guard from Iowa State, he is a triple double E guy. Uh, in, in 6'5", 175, he's got a 6'8 wingspan, very long arms for a point guard. True point guard, by the way. Not like a, you know, in college he was a true point guard. In the NBA, we'll see. But, uh Pure playmaker, averaged 15 points, six and a half assists, six rebounds, uh, 50% from the field, 42 from three, 82 from the free throw line, uh, and and frankly, he averaged what six? Uh, I lost my little spot. 6.5 assists, and it could have. Been, I know everybody plays the game with Luca. Uh, Halliburton easily could have averaged like 14 assists per game. <laughs> like uh, his teammates shot uh, 22%, 22% on spot up shots out of his pick and roll passes uh and he was the only iowa state player to shoot above 34 percent on threes and he still put up numbers like that so the guy is just a monster he is a a passing virtuoso uh can come in the nba right now and get 32 year old shots i mean he can he can be a a big time big time playmaker and you're starting to see him climb up draft boards you have rumors that teams want to trade up for him of course the weird thing about his game 
the weirdest thing of them all, Mike, have you seen him shoot a jump shot before? No, okay, I don't think I have. Google it. I want I want you to do this okay. while we're talking right now. I need you to see a Tyrese Halliburton jump shot because it is and if you are at home, you know, listening and you haven't seen it, I I encourage you right now to check it out because it is like like the Masters, it is an event unlike any other. <laughs> All right. I'm bringing one up. Okay. This is a sweet YouTube mixtape, so we'll see how long this takes. Okay. Could, it could uh, take he's, like he's five dropping minutes. dimes. All right, I'm I'm doing synergy. I'm going straight to the All right. source. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spot Just up pull, or up, pull up, up, pull up like spot up or off the dribble, whatever. I mean, he's he's spot consistent okay. with the way he shoots. It's like it's unbelievable. Okay. Remember- All right, here we go. Turnover, ball's coming another way. Open court, short shorts man drops it off, gets the ball. Okay, guys, let's move the ball. Gets the ball back to Tyrese. Oh, okay. Ugh. Weird, right? All right. That's uh, that's one way to do it. Why is he doing it while he's surfing? <laughs> like he's, he's he's like doing a slalom ski, where his right foot is in front of. Oh uh, no! But just up top, oh, it's so weird. But it works. It works. Yeah. I mean, I and and so. he was I so mean, he was forty two percent last year, and the year before, he was. Uh, I think I mean, he was 51 even better. And a half than on spot ups. That's that's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So for his career, he was forty two point six percent on threes, which is in in two full seasons. Wow. I mean, it's it that's crazy. does not look like it should work, but it does. And uh, so he's got the skill. I mean, he's got the smarts. I guess the the thing that's missing is uh, you know he's kind of the same sort of build, physically speaking, as like John Wall, uh, John Morant. You know, this big, tall point guard. Very lanky, you know, frame can fill out. It doesn't even need to. I mean, he, he's an NBA caliber, uh, you know, body right now. But he's not as quick or shifty or elusive or, or any of those things as those guys. And so the question, I guess, with him is, you know, yeah, he can make plays and, yes, he can shoot. But can he compete with NBA point guards, you know, physically? Or can he, you know, kind of strengthen up and, and, and check twos, you know, and play alongside a guard, you know, a backcourt mate who can defend ones I guess is the question Mm -hmm. which makes the you know the team building fit kind of process a little interesting Um, but I mean at the same time some teams would look at him and say look he's way too talented we'll just we'll get him and then we'll figure it out yeah he kind of feels like a a a natural puck mover right like he's gonna put the ball where it needs to go but that's like the best thing he does so I don't know if but he can higher than he can pass like really yeah. really really pass like make tough passes make play passes yeah you know? i just i don't i don't know if, how much star potential is there right mm-hmm. does he is he like uh better as your sixth man um depending on who drafts him because at, at your two some teams you know don't really want this kind of guy <laughs> they want uh they want to score they want a, either a pure shooter or a guy that can shoot off relocation or spot up or something um, I think he's obviously got a pretty good NBA ready game and I've heard, I've only heard good things about Tyrese Halliburton. Like no one's, no one's been like, yeah, but this, or yeah, but that. And but by all accounts, a I good person too, like a good, yeah, a good, good for person. sure. Yeah. And I think, I think he's kind of rising. Um, he's all, he's always been lottery to 10 ish and now he's kind of like creeping up, um, to ESPN has him at eight. Maybe he goes a little bit higher. Um, 
I just don't, I don't know if the star potential is there. Um, and that's fine for an eighth, eighth overall pick, if that's, what it, that's where he ends up going. Um, but I, I, I want to see what he does in the league. Like when things move a little faster, when he's, he's throwing to people that uh, make more fun, more fun plays at the other end. Because um, Iowa State wasn't very good. I think they were 10 and 12 this year. Um, no fault of his own, but played. still. Yeah. Um, and then just, it's a really tricky position. Um, not every team's going to want that guy. Like, how many how many rosters? I mean, I think he's a bench guy year one. And then you see, like, does he develop into your your first off the bench guy that's running the team that scores 15 a game? Is he your Jordan Clarkson? Is he... Fill in the blank bench guard that can run the show. Are you, are you ready for Are you ready for range? Yeah. So, on the one hand, um, guys like Shea Gilgis Alexander and Malcolm Brogdon have really mm-hmm. sort of defied the the worry or I guess the stereotype that like the taller, slower guard can't work. Uh, mm-hmm. Shea is tremendously athletic, and, and Malcolm Brogdon is too. But um, you know they're not the quickest guys in the world. But Shea is looking like an all-star, and Malcolm Brogdon is, like, really, really, really good. And so I wonder if people are like, okay, maybe Halliburton could be that, you know. Or, so is he Shea Gilgis-Alexander, or is he Kyle Anderson? You know, that's kind of <laughs> yeah. your that's kind of your range. And now Kyle Anderson is a winning player. You know, he makes winning plays, but he's a guy who's kind of limited. I mean, his, his nickname is Slow-Mo, so he's kind of limited by his athleticism. And so, um, you know, if that is something that you, you're kind of skeptical about or that you, that you worry about, then, you know, obviously you're probably not going to spend a top 10 pick on him. That said, again, some teams are like, look, we got a lightning bug at, at point guard. We have a quick three. Let's slide him right between the two of them, and we'll be able to make it work. You know, because if he does beef up a little bit, then he can get Malcolm Brogdon's frame. And he seems to have Malcolm Brogdon's, like, human IQ, basketball IQ, all that stuff. And Brogdon is like definitely a winning player. So um, it's, it's interesting. I think that, I think that those guys' success has sort of like maybe been a, like a, like a big boon for him. Yeah. I mean, always give me the super smart guy. We'll figure it out. You know, super smart guy that can do, can actually, uh, can self actualize his intelligence on the court. Hmm. Um, uh, in the top 10, it's, it's tricky um, because, you know, is he going to affect winning immediately? And is that the guy for a GM? I don't know. I don't know how people get judged on, like, say, 7 to 14 in the lottery. If you have a guy that just doesn't turn into anything, I don't know if you, I don't know if you get heat for that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's but, tough. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if you do, but I don't know. Smart as hell, obviously, puts the ball where it needs to be, which is one of the most difficult things that happens Um at end of games in crunch time situations um, where it's not, I mean, for our example, it's, you, you don't want to see Luca having to pound the rock for 20 seconds of a 24 second shot clock. You know what I mean? You, do, you need somebody over there that can, can help either facilitate the ball and just won't, you know, throw it into the defense's teeth or dribble it off their foot. Um, and so there's, there's a value in that. I just, I don't. I'd like. I'm really interested to see where he goes. Yeah. See what the league thinks of him. His situation um, is going to kind of determine. I think he's one of those guys where he, he's got to go to the right situation, right mm-hmm. team, you know, right place yeah. for him, and uh, and we'll see. We'll see. He's a. Uh, he's he's different cool. though. His jump shot is different. Tyrese oh, Halliburton is different. <laughs> it is. He's he's on a slalom ski for some reason. 
Yeah. He doesn't want to fall off. <laughs> All right. Now moving on um, to maybe the uh, the most like mysterious sort of like exciting kind of nobody knows what's going to happen with him guy in the draft. Yeah, he's he's the mystery man of the draft. He's the highest riser, I think, thus far. Um, people talking about him at like four, um, five for a dude that, you know, didn't start in college. Um, came off the bench at Florida State's second youngest player in the draft, if that matters to anybody. I mean, once you're as long as you're not like 21 years old, I don't it's whatever to me. Um, the the difference between, well, he's the youngest player in the draft and it's by like six weeks. It's like. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, that doesn't doesn't change my opinion opinion there, but um, he, the the thing with Patrick Williams is you're gonna have to judge so much of his game off of not really seeing the production. Um, you can get beat over the head with Obi Toppins twenty points a game or whatever, and go yeah for sure on that. This is a lot of projection that's happening. Whenever people start talking about Patrick Williams and start putting him up, you know, four or five range. Um, but I get it. I get what the future of Patrick Williams can be. And Sharks had a good article on it the other day. Um, it's the combination of smarts being able to, number one, for a freshman that came off the bench playing at a school like Florida State, which if there was a better team last year, I, I'd like to see it. I think Florida State was probably the best basketball team last season, uh, top to bottom, and I would have really liked to see them play March Madness and go into the tournament and um, because they just play really smart basketball, um, particularly when they get attacked with the zone. And what was impressive to me is that Patrick Williams is a freshman, uh, you know, not a super-duper high recruit, um, guy coming off the bench, and when he's on the court – for you know, a top three, top five team in college basketball, he's the decision maker against the zone. He's the guy that would either cut and exploit and kind of like you know do the zone buster type plays, or he would be the guy operating out of the elbow whenever there was a decision to be made of, okay, zone overcorrected this way, get it to Patrick, he's going to pass it or attack now. Like, he was that guy. He was their zone buster. And he's... I've heard the Kawhi stuff, and that's um, I think that's kind of kind of reckless. He does move a little bit. He could be the best player in the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he could score thirty points in the finals. Um, he's, I think he's smarter than just about anybody else that's on the court. Like he just like looks at it, looks at what's happening, and is like, yeah, I should be here. And then I know what's going to happen if they come over this way or they close on me. Really good decision maker, but the body. In the mechanics is a little kawaii, honestly. I get I get the comparison. Super broad shoulders, built out for a six eight guy, um, and he's so like wide and balanced and under control that every time he takes a jump shot, I'm never. I just think it's going in. It's 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 kawaii in the in the uh, mid range, right? Where he pulls up from mid range, you're like, yep, you let him have his spot. He's knocking it down from his spot, and no, he doesn't have that yet. But I have confidence in it that at some point we will, you know, get chased off the three-point line, relocate, boom, or just simple dribble attack. And I'm my shoulders are wide. I'm stronger than you. I'm going up. And he's always mechanically sound on that. Um, the frame and the 
the mechanics is what people go, ooh, that's Kawhi Leonard. Um, athleticism to create his own shot, rises up really straight, balanced, powerful like Kawhi does. Um, he's, when I watch him on offense, it's like the, his best skill is how good he is on defense and he knows what you want to do to him. You know what I mean? Like I might be reading too much into what he's doing, but I'm always watching him and it looks like he's saying to himself, like, this is how I would play this. So this is what I'm going to do. Um, it never moves too fast. Um, it's under control. Um, the three point shot isn't quite there. Uh, he kind of shoots it like big men do like where there's a lot of knee bend, but it doesn't really transfer to the ball and you're kind of like babying it. Um, there's a, there's a bit of that. Um, but it's always on balance. So I think there's something to work with. Um, they always, uh, the, they play Syracuse. They play these teams that run zone defensively and it's, it's the Patrick Williams show. Um, and the main question I have is what you're projecting him as is a Kawhi Leonard type of wing. I don't think the ball handling is going to be there. Um, and does, well, I mean, that's harsh to say because Kawhi Leonard's one of the best players on earth, but I think what you're dreaming on is, is the ball handling from a guy with that kind of body. I didn't really see a lot of that. Um, and then he's the second youngest player in the draft and, you know, he's six, eight, I would guess, what do they have him listed as weight? 225. He's bigger than 225. Does he grow out of that? Does he get up to 245, 240? And then he's just not effective along the perimeter. Um, at least offensively. I think defensively, he's always going to be good. I think you can, you can look at a, a PJ Tucker kind of guy and say, even when PJ Tucker is older and his footwork and his speed isn't quite there, his strength and his balance and his smarts is always going to be there. Um, and that's why he's such a good defender. Um, so does have a bit of a, <laughs> a, a knock knee gait to where it looks like it takes him a while to get up to speed already. Um, so I'm worried about the, the weight in that regard. Uh, but he's just kind of like your, your fun mystery bag. Um, with a lot of potential. At what point do we reach? I don't know what the word is. Critical, critical mass. That's probably not it. <laughs> At what point do we reach the point where three and D wings are like so valuable that mm-hmm. taking a guy like in the top potentially five because he could be one of those guys is like a little absurd. I guess I, what I'm what I'm saying is like teams have in order to take him that high, teams have to believe that he can be something more than just a defender who can do some stuff, right? Like they have to take him yeah. thinking that he can be legitimate, like a star level player. Um, but there are a lot of guys that are in the upper half of the first round, and specifically within like the twelve to eighteen range where the Mavs will be that defend and shoot threes and like that's kind of it's and so i wonder if like is that becoming like at what point does it become too valuable like a like a running back in fantasy football where it's like it's not even worth trying to get that guy because of what it would cost Mm -hmm. you to get him well i think i think patrick williams is gonna be a good test right because i wouldn't label him as a three and d wing as of right now the defense might be there the three is just not quite yet um so it's almost like your projection of what the guy could be as a three and D wing makes you think he's this valuable. He hasn't even proven that he's done it yet. Like there are guys down the board 
I mean, uh, Neesmith, who we'll talk about in a minute, like, and the guy he played with, Devin Vassell, um, he is a three and D wing. Like, he's proven he can he can shoot the threes and he can play, you know, against the best wing offensive player in another team. Your projection of Patrick Williams of being like three and D plus makes you value him more than these guys that have actually done it, and that's it's kind of bizarre. I I, I agree. We're getting to a point where it's like. Um, the top five is going to be the top five, either youngest dude or guys that played internationally. Um, or, you know, there's some freak centers that are going to fall in there every year. And then it's going to be like six through 15. I feel like every year is going to be seven, three and D potential three and D players, you know, and sometimes they end up being, you know, Tony Snell. Sometimes they end up being, you know, uh, Danny Green. Sometimes they end up being the best player in your team. Because they have this in their bag, and they're already on the court. They're on the court day one. They're Mikael Bridges, right? And it's so funny what's... because four years ago, Finney Smith went undrafted, and now Dorian was a little older. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if, like, if Dorian Finney Smith, the exact player, was in the draft this year, would he be taken in the first round? I mean, would he be taken in the yeah. top fifteen? I mean, I, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe. I think the position has changed that much. And it was basically probably like the year after he came into the league where people said, like, if you don't have this, you're getting beat. Um, And the Mavs largely haven't had that many 3 and D uh, prototype kind of guys, right? So um, I think it's amazing what we've been able to do without those two-way wings. Um, So he's he's fun to watch. um, And I just... He's so big already. Like, he's a big freaking dude. And if he gets just a little bit bigger, I'm just like, man, what are you offensively? Um, but I don't know. Maybe he's he's one of those super unique athletes. Um, but he is, he is the the highest rising mystery box guy. He is the he's the he's the wild card on an uh, Uno, right? <laughs> you, you draw four. I mean, half the reports about teams trying to trade up are suspecting that it's because they want to take Patrick Williams. Yeah, yep. Which is a name that, I mean, you know, we work in the NBA, but, like, never really, I mean, even heard of the guy until the last, like, month. I mean, it just feels, even on the draft boards, he was, like, Charks told me about Patrick Williams back in, like, April or May as someone that the Mavs could target, like, in the second round, you know. Mm -hmm. And then it's just been zoom, zoom, zoom since then. So it's, it's really weird. Really weird. It's been a while yeah. since we've seen something like this happen. Yeah, no, it's it's a it'll be a cool test case on draft night, right? Like, oh, you really you really want to do that? Yeah, you really want to do that? Yeah, like you you say you like this guy this much, you wanna you wanna you wanna do that? Um, and it'll be a, it'll be an indictment of what three and D wings are now. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no doubt about it, um, or even potential three and D wings are now. Um, and I think for it makes honestly, it makes sense for the teams that are drafting higher to take someone like Patrick Williams, because I don't know if he's what they want him to be right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's gonna take it's gonna take a minute. Yeah, but I hope he lands in a good spot and he can contribute immediately because he's. I mean, the sky's the freaking limit um, with with the body, the size, the mechanics, and just being super smart defensively. And um, I don't think he's ever gonna be a problem like anywhere like. I don't think the attitude's a problem. I don't think he's ever you're ever gonna look back at it and go, 
Man, should have got more of Patrick Williams tonight. So he's not a problem? <laughs> uh, no, I'd say, I'd say different okay. for Patrick Williams. I'd say different. Any, any bench college player that's going to go in the top ten, I'm probably going to say different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I would have called, called Marvin Williams different. Yeah. Um, yeah, he'll be, he'll be he the best second. sub since Booker. Probably right. Booker yeah. came off the bench for Kentucky, even though he shouldn't have. Yeah, whatever. And honestly, one of the least offensively productive players that's going to be drafted with the first round pick in a long time, <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is true. kind of scary. But yeah. you know, if you think if you think it's in there, if you think that's inside of him, then hey, by all means, go for it because the rest of these guys, it gets kind of spotty. Mm, yeah. Okay. So moving on to the next one, um, Killian Hayes point guard he's uh american and he's french but he played pro in germany uh for ulm which was a uh, they play in euro cup which is kind of like the international competition beneath euro league uh so not quite at the level as like Bayern munich where maxi played or real madrid where luca played uh or you know uh where, where denny played and where a lot of these other guys who have international experience played but um the German league, I would have to think, is considered probably a higher level than Australia, where Lamelo played. But it all kind of, it's all sort of whatever. I mean, it's it's pro basketball, and they play pro system. Like Frank Nilakina played in the French league, um, so he was playing spread pick and roll. I mean, like Killian Hayes has experience running an NBA style offense, and now he was kind of the heliocentric James Harden type guy for Ulm. It was sort of like, uh, and I was listening to Draft Express guys; they were on with Low uh, Zach Low the other day on the low post, which is a great podcast. And they were talking about how kind of the, the coaching staff at Ulm sort of made the conscious decision to like make it the Killian Hayes show just to get him as much experience as possible so that he's ready for the NBA. And that really shows because the Killian Hayes experience this past season is sort of like, a, okay, you can't just put anybody at the controls of a pro offense and have it just be like James Harden style numbers. Um, to his credit, you know, so he's six five. He's got a six eight wingspan. He's a point guard, so he's 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 got the got the got the body for sure. But uh, averaged eleven points, eleven and a half points, five and a half assists, uh, forty eight from the field, twenty nine from three, eighty eight from the free throw line, which is pretty good. But like more than any other player in this draft that I've watched, and frankly, maybe more than any player that I've watched in a long time, if you show me the baskets that he makes the shots that he makes the passes that he makes like if, if you show me all the good stuff I'm like oh my god that guy is the best player in the draft like he should be number one if you show me the mistakes that he made I'm like that guy is not a professional basketball player and these plays are happening like on consecutive possessions so on one play he'll bring the ball up the floor go between the legs between the legs drive into the lane drop a nice teardrop left-handed uh, he's a left-handed player, just like Harden and you know a lot of other guys. Um, the next time down the floor, he'll get like ripped at half court, you know, because he's just not <laughs> paying attention. And then the next time down the floor, he'll take a ball screen and sling a cross court one hand pass to the corner right on the money for a three. I mean, like, and people say the range of outcomes for him, meaning like both his career and also on draft night, are like extremely vast. Like nobody knows what's going to happen to him or where he's going to go, where he's going to fall, what kind of player he's going to be. But you also have no idea what to expect from him on each possession. Like, it could be brilliant. It could be a terrible mistake. It could be a huge blunder. Um, I don't, it's, it's just it's amazing to watch him. But, I mean, this is the draft. We're projecting potential. And his potential is special, man. I mean, like, mistakes aside, and, and look, everybody makes mistakes when they're younger, both in life and on the basketball floor. 
Uh, he can do things that, that young point guards just cannot do. Change speeds, play with guys on their hip, make difficult passes, make reads, run the pick and roll. Uh, I will say he's pretty left-hand reliant. Uh, so everything goes through his left. So he's got to develop his right hand. Uh, and, and, you know, the three-point shot percentage is pretty bad, but he was taking a lot of them off the dribble and, and stuff. Again, you know, they really kind of gave him the keys. So I think once he gets a little, a little more coached up, a little more developed with his right hand, and then in a system where, you know, he's got to, you know, he's got to give the ball up sometimes, I think that he can be a really, really, really good player. I would say one of the other things that's holding him back is when he would get switches uh, in Germany, he wasn't consistently able to be, get by those bigs. Uh, and that's going to be a problem because, I mean, American NBA bigs are, are just much more athletic. And so there are some serious question marks, uh, but also the, the, the plus side is just plus, plus, plus to where you're like, yeah, I if, if I'm – in the top five or whatever, and, and my team is bad and we're going to be bad for another couple of years, like that is the kind of player I want because if you hit on him, he could be really, 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 really good. Now KOC has him as his number one player, Kevin O'Connor, and I guess he's kind of drunk on the, the upside and the, and the flashy plays that he pulls off. Yep. Um, so I'm automatically intrigued, but uh, <laughs> the pick and roll ball handler numbers aren't great. Uh, what 39th percentile um, playing? A lot in of that's the because turn, I think he turned it over 25 percent of the time, which is good. God. That means 25 percent wow. of the time you're getting zero, and they're probably getting two. You know, so that's, that's yeah, that's bad. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm interested for sure, and if the range of outcomes is top five to 20, <laughs> yeah. then you kind of gotta as a as a maverick, you gotta kind of at least know know your stuff on him. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I think the the razzle dazzle and the fun is gonna get um, a lot of teams that are looking for that that face of the franchise interested, right? So ball handler that um, is super fun gets people sells a lot of jerseys. I can see people at the end of the top ten being interested in that. Um, and and part of the reason too, uh, before we move on to the next guy, is. That, that his range of outcomes within the order of the draft is so wide is because you look at the teams that are sort of like at the back end of the top 10 and the early part of the teens, I guess, like 11 and 12. What is that like tweens at that point? <laughs> sure. Uh, is like the teams that are so like Washington is at nine. Well, they have John Wall and Bradley Beal, you know, um, Detroit at eight. They have Derrick Rose. Who knows what's going to happen? But I mean, uh, who knows? Uh, the Spurs at eleven. Derrick White and uh, Dejounte Murray. I mean, so there, there's teams that are kind of in that range where he's so he's ranked what I think tenth uh, on on Draft Express right now. The teams that are between like eight and twelve, a lot of them already have point guards. You know, Atlanta with Trey Young. Atlanta six. That's kind of on the on the high end. But I mean, there's like teams all throughout. I guess Detroit maybe seventh. I don't I don't have the draft order memorized, but. Teams in that range yeah, have Detroit guards. seven, New York eight, New York Washington eight. Okay, nine. yeah. New York has mm-hmm. Nelakina, and now who knows what's going to happen with that? Um, but and and Dennis, of course. And I know Leon Rose is kind of an advocate of Dennis, or, or that's the that's the the word on the street or whatever. So, um, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's kind of thing where like teams in that area don't really have the need. So I guess maybe a team wants to trade up to get him. Or if he makes it through there, then a team that's in like the early to mid teens that didn't expect him to be there can can capitalize. So. Uh, we'll see. I think that's part of the reason why, too, no one knows where he's going to go. Yeah, it's crazy that a lot of teams that are drafting in the top ten have uh, have super young point guards. 
who knew? Yeah, yeah, for real. <laughs> who knew they didn't contribute to winning? Another reason it's... to just be awestruck by Luca. Really. Yeah, exactly. One hundred percent. Yeah, because guys, that I mean just <laughs> sort by that age uh, and, and minutes played, and you're just gonna see teams that are picking in the top ten pretty consistently. Yep. Um, Phoenix would be super interesting, honestly. Um, I know they're trying to. Uh, they're they're looking towards the point guard position and going like, how do we? How do we fix this whole deal? Um, well, is he uh, is he different? Is he a bucket, or is he a problem? He's, he's a bucket for sure. He's a bucket because he's gonna he's gonna make some plays in December in the first week of the season, like some ridiculous shots where you're just like, wow, this guy is like amazing. So he's he's a bucket. He's a bucket for sure. Bucket in German, Eimer. He's that. Let's go. But, he, but he's also part French. So what's bucket in French? We got oh to make like an amalgam. Another one. Bucket in French. Okay. And this could just be wrong. This is just what Google tells me. Yeah. Uh, basically, sea, S-E-A-U. Soi. Huh? Soi. I'm going with soi. All right. He's Eimer Soi. Killian Soi Hayes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. All right, so there's Killian Hayes. Again, Kevin O'Connor's favorite player in this draft, and I, uh, I put a little bit of stock into that, I'm not going to lie. Um, at least I'll, I'll, I'll give him a couple more looks than I would otherwise. Yep. <laughs> um, so the fun things about Patrick Williams in that uh, he's you know 6'8 and kind of built like a tank, and you'd like to see where that evolves to, uh, Devin Vassell is a bit of the opposite. Um, he's the more traditional um, 3 and D player in and he was more of the offensive identity of Florida State uh, this last year. Six seven, a little bit lighter. I think they have him listed as one eighty, um, according to ESPN. He's he's bigger than six five now. He's measured at six seven, so really tall, lanky kind of guy um, for a three and D wing. Um, so the the dream on Devin Vassell and why he's he's a lottery pick. Number one, we talked about the value of three and D players and just. Any wing that can can play both ways without it killing you becomes a super high commodity, right? But Devin Vassell does a couple other things that if you just are looking, okay, this guy shoots well, this guy can guard his position. He's he's like three and D plus to me. Um, the the fun part is is the shot making um, on the move is top notch. People people have had a problem with his with his shot, um, it's, it's a little, a little wristy. Um, and he does a little bit of the, the feet land five feet in front of where you took off. Um, honestly, a little Parsons in the shot, right? If Parsons actually had put some arc on it and didn't try and punish the back of the rim, uh, whenever he shot, (laughs) you know, that was the, that was the thing with Parsons is whenever he'd miss, it'd be so ugly because he's just shooting like, here to here, like he's throwing a yo-yo. Like you know what 10. I mean? Ten point two feet, like <laughs> yeah, barely above. Exactly, barely above the rim. Exactly, and so when you miss, it's a it's a loud out, right? Either clangs off the back of the rim or clangs off the front, right back at you. Um, he does a a bunch of the the two foot launch, gonna land five feet in front of me, but he gets more. He's way more wrist up top. Um, and some people have a problem with it. Some people are like, well, they got well, but the shot, and I'm like, okay, well, he. Looks pretty good right now, um, you know, forty one point seven percent from three last season. And yeah, the college three is a little bit different, obviously. Um, but uh, 
Florida State kind of has a type now in uh, watching their guys play. And Malik Beasley, um, Devin Vassell, Patrick Williams are all kind of in this same little little group of guys that aren't scared to shoot the mid-range, that aren't that they've developed enough to where they don't look like one-and-done players, to where they have some patience in their offense. They have uh, some shot-making ability from the elbow. Um, his mid-range was honestly really impressive for a guy that gets labeled as 3 and D. You know, does he have enough athleticism to get to that spot consistently throughout a game? That's for a scout to decide. <laughs> There's, there is some big-time... Trevor Ariza energy going on like it is he's a great player yeah he's awesome he's freaking awesome it's is is there potential to be a little bit more than that and I think people think there there is a little bit more because every time they're on the fast break the guy that's filling the lane at the perfect time is Devin Vassell fast enough to get there like Patrick Williams would be like still at the half court line and Devin Vassell's at the three-point line filling the lane perfect and just making smart plays. Um, the game against Virginia Tech, if you watch that, you think he's a top five pick. Just off the move, blindfolded, just knocking him down. Just straight up, just bang, bang, bang. Just three after three. Um, the transition game is, I mean, he's not going to be the dude that brings the ball up. But when your guy bringing the ball up gets, gets closed in on in transition, he's always there, man. He is always there, ready Running at the proper pace, not not already underneath the basket, perfect timing and transition, always finishes too. Um, he never he just doesn't make stuff too complicated offensively. It's it's predetermined decision making, um, and that's the kind of Florida State type right now. And so I don't know if as much as we talked about Patrick Williams being like Kawhi, I don't know if it's just like their system that is like Kawhi, like They're make really simple decisions. Yeah. yeah, they're very well coached. They're very well coached, and and they have been for a very long time. I mean, even like like Sarge James, for example. Now he was an older guy, mm-hmm. but he made a lot of just good, smart plays. You know, Jonathan Isaac. Yeah. I mean, these guys at Florida State, they're coached to play defense. That's apparently part of the reason Patrick Williams wanted to go there is to learn how to defend. Mm-hmm. Every single guy that comes out of there defends. Every single guy that comes out of there has a pretty high basketball IQ and is good at something, and the ability yeah. to shoot the three. I mean, my God, how many people on this list? And I know that I'm kind of like contradicting myself because I was sort of memeing on three and D guys, you know, half an hour ago, but how many guys ahead, uh, you know, in, in the top 10 on this list and really throughout the top 20 and even top 30, one of their weaknesses is shooting. You know, yeah. there's like three or four guys who have that as a strength and here's one of them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I think even KOC has them in the top 10 on his, maybe even like yeah. seventh, uh, you know, draft express has them, I think 11th right now. Um, and, and depending on where you're mocking, I mean, I, I like, Every team needs wings. We agree on that. Um, you know, maybe some teams have a bigger need for big or guard or whatever. But I mean, if you just need shooting, like why would you why would you waste time projecting shooting on somebody who's maybe a little more athletic or is a little more dynamic or whatever? Like why not just get the shooter? You know, like the guy that yeah. can already shoot. And there's a few other guys mm-hmm. like this in this draft that we'll we'll talk about. Well, one is in the lottery, and then you know a couple later on. But if you already have that NBA skill and the willingness to defend, and a, a pretty reasonably high basketball IQ to go with, and I could see why a team that's like on the cusp would be like, yeah, just get that guy, 
and he'll play 15 minutes for us or 30 minutes for us. But either way, he's going to help us every time he's in the game. Yeah, if he gets to San Antonio at 11, that's going to be so annoying, man. Like, he's he's going to be awesome. Like, he's he's already a really good player. I mean, he was basically the offensive engine um, for what I would consider one of the top three basketball teams in, in college basketball last year. And just never too complicated, man. Low turnover, low on bad decisions, always getting good looks if you... If you're going to play off of him whenever he starts attacking, like, I'll knock down this elbow jumper. Just very controlled, very smart. Um, and people want to rework the shot. And I think there was a video recently of him with a little bit different mechanics. It was described people as start just freak- messing around. But it was, it was a weird <laughs> video, man. It was a weird yeah. video. It was like yeah. it was the opposite and- of what happened with Mo Bamba. All right. I'll, I'll <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, he's he's the consummate, you know, ten pounds of muscle guy. And what is he then? Um, he does have room to fill out, one hundred percent. Super long arms, a little bit of the the shoulder crouch, like you were mentioning. Like uh, the frame isn't like broad sh- back, you know, wide shoulder. It's more like in in his body. Um, but dude, he's really good. Like, there's nothing wrong with Devin Vassell. Whoever takes him, I'm just gonna go. Congratulations. Like, you just got a really stinking good player that can play up and down your lineup, two through four if you need him to. I haven't seen anything inside the arc in terms of, like, post moves or anything like that, which is fine. You know, that's... Who cares? That uh, just that doesn't... Frankly, yeah, I mean, doesn't happen. Yeah. doesn't happen that often. So if he's your offensive four, like, I don't know. Like, haven't seen him set screens and roll necessarily. Um, but, I mean, playing two or three and defending two, three, four? Yeah. I'm not worried about it and can knock down three pointers on a very high volume. And it's just a smart, really good player. Um, so thumbs up for Devin Bissell, man. Thumbs I didn't up. see, I didn't watch anything that turned me off. So bucket. Uh, yeah. Bucket or I'd say, I'd say bucket um, built for this. Okay. All right. That, that's yeah. a great one. That is a great, that really yeah. applies to all Florida state players. They're all built for this. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they are. absolutely. It's a factor. I, I, I know they haven't had like a ton of guys go um, in the first round. And, you know, Beasley, uh, Malik Beasley is probably the greatest example of Florida State prodigy that turned into something. But and, you know, we'll see what happens to Jonathan Isaac. Um, it's a shame that what, what, what's going on with his health. But um, I want to buy into Florida State guys right now. Mm. I think I think they're pretty freaking awesome. Um, I think they're going to have next three, four years, as long as that coach doesn't jump somewhere else. I think they've got the right mentality. Like, I want I want some stock in Florida State basketball players right now. Florida, dollar sign FSU is just, boom, up 15% <laughs> today. Yeah, exactly. Go check CNBC. Yeah, all right. So, uh, moving on, next guy. So, we've talked about some guards, some shooters. Uh, let's Let's talk about a big guy. And then we'll get to arguably the best shooter in the draft right after him. So we're kind of going – we're all over the place. We're all over the place, Mike. No one's uh, following the list. Yeah, so, so next, up is, uh, next up is Precious Achua from Memphis. Um, 6'9", 2'30", 7'1", wingspan, power forward. And like the most traditional cent- – now he's, he's a little lankier. But whenever you think of like classic power forward, that's, that's kind of how Precious Achua plays. In fact, in many ways – now, he's ranked much higher than Jonathan Motley was, but in many ways reminds me of Jonathan Motley 
kind of a center offensively in a power forward's body, um, plays with a lot of energy the way that Motley does. And there's a lot of other guys, but Motley's a, an example that Mavs fans are familiar with. And most importantly, as it relates to relating to, to Motley and some of these other guys, is he is just a wild player. I mean, I, I don't know how much you saw him, how much you've watched him or saw of him maybe whenever you were looking at Wiseman, but dude, he is just like, he's a ball of chaos. It is so much fun to watch him play. I mean, he will just go, he'll go wherever the heck he wants to go and do whatever the heck he wants to do. And and the other thing about him too that I think contributes to this is he does everything just so fast. Like if he catches the ball, He's going to make up his mind in like 0.1 seconds and he will like dribble it seven times and just go to the rim. I mean, and just put his head down and just go. And it's it's just really exciting, even though it doesn't necessarily work all the time. Um, but he, <laughs> is, he it, was is it Mont- Montrez energy? Yes, very, very Montrez. Just like, holy crap. Like, that guy is just a freight train. Just, I mean, you better be ready to, like, that kind of style we saw in the playoffs with, with Trez and you know there there have been a lot of other guys who are like that that just play really fast if you're like ready for that then you can sort of force them into travels or, or just swallow them up basically but if you're not then you're going to be like on the back foot um but but he was going to play power forward with Wiseman so they were going to kind of do the big big front court then Wiseman's whole thing happened and so uh so Achua kind of became like the the focal point uh, kind of the center. I mean, they had a, another big guy who played, but I mean, he was kind of like the main big on that team. So he ended up averaging 16 points, 11 boards, two blocks per game. It's pretty good. Uh, 49 from the field, 32 and a half from three, 60 from uh, the free throw line. Not the best shot ever. Uh, I, I'm not sure about NBA three if that's in his thing, but I mean, we've seen again guys like Montrez. Uh, if you're that good at rolling, then you'll be fine. I, I, he's got a ways to go, and he was just a freshman, so, I mean, he's kind of raw, and big guys kind of take a little longer to develop anyway, but just the fact that, like, he is just so freaking ready to play, and just he's ready to attack, he's ready to shoot, he's ready to catch, he's ready to screen, he's ready to rebound, he's ready to run. I mean, he is just like, go, 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 fast all the time. Like, uh, you almost want to maybe rein him in a little bit, but at the same time, if that's his strength, then, like, F it. Let's just, let's go. Like, let's let's let him play. So, to me, I think he could really be like a, a true like energy big, just flying all over the place, getting the crowd into it, giving your teammates a lift and all that stuff. Um, but maybe just a little more refining. So I don't know. I mean, he's gonna be he's projected to go in the lottery or like mid to late first round. So maybe you want him on your NBA roster. But it seems like he would be an amazing candidate for just go to the G League, spend a year down there. Maybe you maybe there's some Pascal Siakam elements to his game. I mean, Siakam spent a year, even two, in the G League. Um, I mean, maybe there's more to unearth with him, but right now, I mean, if you just just keep refining, keep playing, keep getting experience, and there's something there. But but that level of energy and just like manic, like blah, is just really really rare, and you can't coach it. And so I'm I'm really intrigued. I don't know if it'll work, but I'm really really intrigued by the guy. Yeah, 21 years old plus already um for a freshman so i need to need to know the story there yeah, did he put did he play juco i i didn't oh my my uh, fingers are just taking up the screen so if you're uh if you're watching me on youtube <laughs> i'm sorry but yeah i don't i don't know if it's juco or like uh got held back a year or what what what's going on but 21 as a freshman um maybe maybe people won't look at <laughs> each of them just go like freshman yeah um but no that's that's intriguing man um i'm this is like the only way that uh 
Precious and James Weissman could have ended up in the lottery is if Weissman missed time and people still thought he was this good, right? <laughs> so works well for both of them. Going to be multimillionaires pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, I've, I think there is a place for um, that kind of player. Obviously, Montrez was sixth man of the year. I just don't know how many guys, how many teams are wanting to to start that dude right now. Um, I feel like an, an off the bench Hellraiser is is a pretty known commodity at this point. Um, I mean, we have Dwight, they have Montrez. There's 20 other dudes like that in the league. Um, I think Christian Woods a pretty good example from last year. Um, so for sure, immediate fit in the league. Um, probably off the bench, right? Go play, go play with my my distributor that comes off the bench and go run a thousand pick and rolls and just make this game either ugly or make it real chippy real quick. Dude, there's uh, so much like Sala measure and Sala was like nasty. Like he'll like he'll like commit flagrant fouls. I'm not saying the precious is that guy. He can be, but just like when he's in the game, you know that he's in the game. <laughs> yeah, for sure, big impact guy. Yeah. So is he uh, is he different, a problem, or a bucket, dude? He is so different. I I really I implore you to go just just watch him. Just put on just put on pick and roll and just see what he does with the ball. It is it's like it is amazing. Like he will if nothing else, he's your Eddie Nahara, Brian Cardinal. Just just go just be just go be weird. Just go be different. <laughs> just just change the game. I, I love him. I, I, I really do. I love him. I don't know if he's going to be a great NBA player or anything, but I, I love him. And I also checked, he is 21, but he just turned 21. So I think he's like just a, like okay. an older first grade kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, it sounds a lot like what I watched of uh, Jalen Smith early in the season. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. And I will, we'll, we'll get to Jalen Smith later and probably brush up on some of the later in the season stuff. But I just remember watching, you know, sitting down one night and – uh, Maryland games on my TV for some reason. I don't know if it was a Duke Maryland or whatever. And I, I sit down and I'm, you know, eating dinner and watching it. And I see this kid with goggles that's like 6'10, um, flying around with a flat top and just raising hell. Like <laughs> every, every step he takes is just like with intention and your pain in mind. Um, and I was like, Jalen Smith is super fun. That's why yeah. I texted you. I was, I was like, this kid is great. Yeah, dude, he's super fun to watch. Anything can happen when the guy is wearing goggles. You know, <laughs> yeah, it just opens happen. the door for so much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I goggles love with I, flat I love top. I, I will be the president of the Precious Achua fan club and the Jalen Smith. Uh, like, we don't. There aren't enough guys like that in the NBA that are just just chaos. Yeah, you know, that yeah. are just just flat out like TJ McConnell, just like. Mm. Oh my God, that guy's coming into the game. This is going to be annoying. You know, like we need more of those guys yeah. in the NBA. Drives the other team crazy, guys. Yeah, that's I can I can buy into that. There's there's some equity in there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So he's he's different. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 crazy different. Gotcha. Right, so Aaron All right, Naismith, so next man. guy. Yeah, I think it's Neesmith. I think think people are the commentators were going with Neesmith. So I'm going to roll with that. Um, so Aaron Neesmith. Uh, six foot six. I just put shooter. Uh, Vanderbilt. Um, he's a sophomore. So a lot of this, I'm gonna say, this is really cool, and that's pretty rad that he did this. But could every player that came back to school and played, you know, a second year do this? 
Um, but my God, I didn't know they let Buddy Heald back into college basketball. <laughs> yeah. But but apparently they did with Aaron Neesmith. Um, so only 14 games uh, last year in the sophomore season because of stress fracture in his foot. Um, you know, maybe the percentages even out after that, but I don't know. This dude is the best shooter I've seen in a long time. Um, plus 50% from three. Uh, taken, I think it was like eight a game. Um, four or more threes in eight of those 14 games. Um, like I said, Buddy Heald, like the offense, the, the best outcome for Vanderbilt's offense this year was like a subpar look for Aaron Neesmith from way out there. Dude, he was just making silly stuff. Just in front of the bench, falling into the bench. Like, dead on three from 10 feet outside the three-point line. Um, when you're that good a shooter and you're, your rest of your team is that, you know, just average. I think they ended up being eight and six uh, in the games he played. Um, the best offense for Vanderbilt, and it was pretty, I mean, relatively successful is Aaron Neesmith offensive engine. And it's not it's rarely well, it's not rarely inside the three point line. It's rarely effective inside the three point line. Dude is not scared to go at the basket and create enough room to go at the basket. But if you watch his his tape and you see either isolation or, you know, just uh sort it by not jump shots, he ends up on the floor every time. Every time. Like I love the I love the killer instinct and go at the rack and put your body out there, but man, he is gonna break some stuff. Whenever he goes into the lane, it's it he's ending up on the floor somehow. Whether it's flat, like just landed and got you know just a uh, Terry Tate office linebacker cleaned him out in mid-flight, and he's just like flying over there now, and I'm like, oh god, Aaron. Or if he's just like kind of clumsy and falls down. The thing is that the weight isn't there, right? There's not much weight to him. There's not a ton of strength. There's so so the balance isn't necessarily there. But he's not afraid to do it, which is cool from a three and D kind of guy. Um, but by far the best shooter in the draft by volume and by percentage. Um, most of them are off pull-ups when the other team knows it's coming and they'll a guy's like right up on him. And he takes like an escape dribble and relocates, knocks it down. They also didn't run a ton of plays for him. Um, I didn't see him like coming off screens a ton. I just saw, hey, there's action on the other side of the court. I'm just constantly moving to the corner and back, like above the break and back to the corner. And he just get the ball, and they're so scared of his shot. You know, like a pump fake and a relocation dribble, and he's got it. Um, so he does create some immediate gravity. Uh, for whatever offense he's involved in because he is that level of a shooter um, and doesn't mind doing it. Like, he's just not scared of any shot, anything. Like, there could be a guy underneath him. There could be a dude, you know, sprinting dead on at him. He could not have a perfect handle on the thing. He's going up, man. And 50% of the time it goes in, which is just fascinating to watch. The question, though, is he only played 14 games. So mm-hmm. did he just have a good 14 games, or is he a really good shooter? Because the year before, he was like 32%, 33% from threes. I, yeah. I think on fewer attempts, maybe only like six per game. Um, but that could also be a byproduct of, I mean, Vanderbilt was supposed to have Darius Garland last year, and he got hurt, I think, in his first game or maybe a second game or something. And so maybe there was just not a lot of talent on that team outside of him. So I don't mm-hmm. know, that, that could be. But 
the one-year leap in efficiency like that is really kind of a cautionary tale. Like, I love the guy, but Justin Anderson, for example, 29.4% uh, as a sophomore at Virginia, 45.2% as a junior, and then, you know, it, the, the shot didn't really translate over to the NBA. So, now I will say, because he took eight threes a game, he took 115 threes in 14 games. I mean, he was not messing around. So, there's a, there's a decent sample size there, but... Yeah, it's just it's it's risky, but I guess that's where he was a guy that could probably benefited from just being able to fly around the country and do a bunch of workouts. Um, because if he goes in and makes you know ninety six out of one hundred threes, then that team is gonna be like, oh yeah, that's legit, you know. But yeah. this draft process is just probably unfriendly to guys like him, who could probably climb if he could prove it, you know. But he might end up dropping because he can't. I I, I don't know. But the shot looks yeah. good though. I mean, I, I'm like his shot. There's nothing wrong with it mechanically or any confidence is there. Like he is a shooter, shooter for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if he you know slides a little bit further down in the lottery where he's you know a Pelican or a, a Celtic or a, a Blazer even um, down in that range, then dude, if he just has to go out there for like ten to fifteen minutes a night and just stand in the corner or stand above the break and just launch what's open to him. That's going to be a really valuable piece immediately. Now, when you ask him to do too much, if he ends up on, you know, uh, Orlando or, or Sacramento even, or, um, you know, he might be a really good fit in Minnesota. Who knows? Um, it's just don't ask him to do too much too early, right? Because the, the rest of the game isn't quite there. Um, he was the best player in the highest, best player in his team, highest scoring player in the SEC in the games he played. Um, but it is entirely just... I'm catching the ball and that thing's going up, um, which is cool. But I don't know. I think if he was a freshman, I'd be way more bought in, obviously. I think it would be without question. Um, but I can't help but think how many guys, if they went back to school and they had a green light to shoot eight or nine threes a game, could do this. Give give a fill-in-the-blank player in this draft – Let's see. Uh, I mean, fifty percent is tough, though. I mean, to to be fair, fifty percent is that's pretty crazy. You can't. It's it's hard to fake that, you know. No doubt, no doubt. That's that's an impressive number. Like that's gonna. It's the number one thing you're looking at, and you're just going like, ooh. And a lot of okay. them too. I mean, and this is not the case with a lot of guys, but a lot of his threes, at least the ones I saw. You know, I, I didn't watch any of his games last year, but. Um, Almost all his threes are like NBA threes. Like he's like yeah. out there, you know. So that's that's something Very that you deep. can kind of, kind of like be okay, you know, check that off the list because there's no questions about it translating. And also, he six six with six ten wingspan is pretty. It's pretty solid mm -hmm. too. He, he's not JJ Redick, you know, coming off screen. He's like a big. He's a big dude. Oh yeah, and that's he can almost get his shot up whenever if you're running a traditional two at him, right? Because he's just you know he's four inches taller than most twos in the SEC. So it just wasn't a problem for him. Um, obviously needs to fill out. Obviously needs strength. Those are things you can control with effort, right? And your team can basically put you on a plan to gain. So I think there's a really good path in front of him. Um, and I think he's definitely worthy of a lottery pick. Um, and the, the shooting is – and you can, you can get drunk on that, that shooting because it is freaking awesome. Um, but you know, you kind of got to negotiate. Is it, uh, how many guys could have done that in their sophomore year in college basketball? Um, but you know, he'll, he'll be a lottery guy, I think. And there's some good teams 
after you get outside the top 10 that you just sprinkle a little bit of this guy in there and their second unit. And I'm like, damn it, man. (laughs) Why did you let him go there? The trick with shooting is, and I know this kind of defeats the purpose because basketball is an outcome, you know, dependent game, but you watch guys take shots and then you like end it before the shot goes in or not, you know? Mm -hmm. And you're like, I mean, some guys are like, they take all the right shots, but they just can't shoot. They miss. So you're like, okay, well, like he was taking some wild shots, but they were going in. So that's like, that's the thing where it's like, I mean, is he Duncan Robinson? You know, where or is he more like I don't know of an example, just someone who takes create like Dion Waiters, I guess. I don't know. But like mm-hmm. Duncan Robinson takes some ridiculous shots and Buddy Heald takes yeah, some I mean, ridiculous it was ridiculous shots. Yeah. It was Buddy Heald at the peak of his powers at Oklahoma. Yeah. I mean that that level of not giving an F launching, right? Like, I think this is probably gonna go in. I'm that good. Mm. Uh just unconscious three-point shooter in from way beyond the line for college. Um, it's pretty cool to watch. It's just, you know, is there more? Is there more inside of there? And you don't you don't necessarily have to have more. Mm-hmm. You can be Duncan Robinson, you know? That's valuable enough. That is a, an elite, uh, super valuable skill to have. If I'm going to pick one, like if you tell me, like, here's this player, here's player A, and you'd like him to have one skill out of the box, I'm like, Okay, he's a 40% three-point shooter. Mm-hmm. That plays. That plays everywhere. That plays up and down your lineup. That plays in the playoffs. Um, so, intrigued for sure and, and want to see how it kind of translates. Obviously, needs some muscle, needs NBA body type stuff. But he is for sure a bucket. 100%. Yeah. 100%. All right. Oh, my God. So, this is, uh, this is the lottery. According to Draft Express, now this isn't the mock draft. This is just the rankings, and these rankings, I don't know the last time they were updated. But these are all guys who pretty much universally are expected to go before the Mavs pick at 18. So we've spent the last three hours talking about them. We're, of course, going to spend about 10 minutes talking about the guys that are in the Mavs range. But from here on out, we're going to do one or two more of these episodes before the draft. From here on out, every player we're talking about is potentially within the Mavs range. And now, again, there's a chance that somebody from this episode falls down. Who knows? Maybe the Mavs trade up. Who knows? But basically, this is the, the this is the list of guys that are almost guaranteed to go before the Mavs pick at 18. So if you're in love with one of them, well, you better be ready to trade up. But again, from here on out, mm-hmm. all of these players that we're going to talk about on the next episode could be Mavs. And, dude, I think whenever we talked last time, um, it was before all the, the dates and timelines had been sort of decided and finalized and everything. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. The draft is November 18th. Free agency is on the 20th. And then camp starts like the next week, basically. So <laughs> yeah. whoever they draft, I mean, and this goes for 31 too, you're not going to get like three months of summer league and individual workouts and scrimmages and stuff. You're like basically hitting the ground running. And so mm-hmm. – that that could change the way some teams evaluate these guys too is how pro ready it's like someone like Obi Toppin he's super pro ready right now like there's no off season program like no we're we're starting like on Tuesday so you know we're going to throw you out there and see if it works so i, I wonder if that's weighing in anybody's decision making process or anything but uh you know this part of the draft is where it's going to get pretty exciting for maps fans because you know you can kind of circle the names that you want and 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 see if it works out 
Yeah, unfortunately for a lot of dudes that don't have that professional experience or, you know, aren't older, um, this might be a redshirt year for for your professional career. And, you know, we'll see how it works next year when you get to play in summer league and you get, you know, all these off-season individual workouts. But it's 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 happening quick, man. We're going to do the, the live stream on Wednesday night, which joined us for that, Mavs.com or the Mavs app, or we'll just check social. We'll put it everywhere so you can watch it. Uh, watch it. Uh, Bobby Chuck Cooperstein and Jeff Skin Wade with some appearances from Mark Folliwell, Jake Kemp, Jonathan Charks, um, Dirk, Michael Finley, and Roe Blackman in, in there. So it'll be a good it'll be a good uh, companion piece for you watching the draft uh, from a Mavs angle, right? Um, so what do all these picks mean to us? Um, so please join us for that on Wednesday night at 6 p.m. draft night, and then literally two days later, it's it's free agency, and then December 22nd the season. And trades start, start on Monday too. Don't forget yeah. about that. Teams can start trading yep. guys on Monday. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be wild, man. We're gonna we're gonna own the headlines for about a month straight there, uh, which is cool with me. Um, but yeah, get on board. It's time to lock back in, man. Um, bat, batten down the hatches and. Uh, Let's get let's get revved up for some more basketball. But it starts with the draft. We'll see what the Mavericks get out of this. Uh, we obviously talked about last week. Um, the it's not a it's not a hidden thing that we're trying to find a, a third star in whatever way we can. So um, let's see what they do. Let's see how creative we get. Um, and the draft's going to be super fun no matter what. Uh, but uh, with eighteen and thirty one, it, it it makes it pretty intriguing for us. Yep. Yep, definitely. And like I said, next episode, some of these guys we're going to be talking about could be Mavs. So make sure you tune into that. That one will come out shortly as well. Like Mike said, tune into the live draft show. That is going to be Wednesday night, 6 p.m. Central. You can watch it anywhere, I believe anywhere in the world, right? Yeah. It's not restricted yeah. to U.S., so. No, it's not. Okay. Yeah, so that would be cool. So tune in from wherever you are. Uh, maybe take some fan questions, too. It's going to be awesome. So, uh, Mike, thank you, as always, for, uh, for giving me your time. Thank you out there for listening. Uh, the Ceiling is the Roof is presented by the City uh, Advantage Platinum Select Card. Make sure you go get yourself some miles. And uh, next summer, maybe we can all fly to Slovenia together and, uh, <laughs> and check out Lublin or something. But, uh, yeah, he's Mike. I'm Bobby. This is The Ceiling is the Roof, and we will see you next time.